0: Where's
1: Later Kenny song from their nineteen ninety seven album Dig Me Out, covered in twenty twenty two by Australian folk weirdo Courtney Barnett. Chanteuse. Um, Is she a Chanteuse? I don't know if she qualifies. What's a Chanteuse?
2: Oh, it's a French word for singer. Uh, huh. female singer.
1: Um, huh. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't approve of the French on this podcast.
2: Yeah, no, I feel like it was one of those pitchfork words like 15 years ago. That's how I know about it. Mm. Like they called them. Um, oh yeah, fucking like Neko Case
1: was a Shanteuse. Um and Jenny Lewis was a Chantous. We're more, uh, we're more a, like we have more of a German style elitism on this pod than we do mm, a French elitism. I, I, I don't know. I might learn French one of these days. I keep meaning to. I'm gonna specifically unlearn any French I know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Have you Have you tried to read French
2: at all recently in your life? Like just like an inscription or something like that? Because I find with the Latin training,
1: I can actually kind of do it. And you back when I was my Latin was fresh. I think I could do that. Now I I just don't give. I'm just I. I kind of angrily forgot some Latin. So yeah, uh, I take that Georgetown exactly. Yeah, I got to, you know, I had to de-papify myself. <laughs> is that papify when you become a papist? Um, papist, uh, papist, yeah, uh,
2: um, papist eyes, uh, paper. De- I'm trying to think of de-papistrate. Uh, there's, there's Papistrate. Is, uh, I'm trying to make it with de- Um. <laughs> uh. There's something there. Hold on. Populate. I just got an expensive Amazon package delivered to my door. I'll be right back
1: It's a second dick And it's made out of French Chocolate That someone had sex with In the Louvre I'm not cutting this.
2: All right. I now have 200 more tools than I did three minutes ago.
1: Nice. All yeah. of them made of ceremonial obsidian. <laughs> it's the best kind. You know,
2: the car needs a certain mystical uh, uh, effect to uh, to be healed.
1: Well, if you're cutting, as I'm learning from this Cleopatra book I'm reading, if you're cutting the umbilical cord of a future pharaoh you've got to use an obsidian blade uh yes i think that's true the i think the
2: the uh what's this the the aztecs were into obsidian too but they didn't have any metal
1: so that's one of the best i mean it's one of the best uh kind of non-less i don't know it's shiny it's one of the best rocks it's so cool i mean yeah.
2: and it actually can become sharper than a scalpel if you, you do it right so
1: we do do obsidian correctly here. Uh, yeah. we're, I just, maybe we're Aztec is elitists that, that day, va- <laughs> like, um, Q, uh, Cortez the killer. Just suit, yes. Just like very, very pretentious about like what the best human sacrifices were. <laughs> it's like, you know, if you weren't at the one for Montezuma and, uh, you know, yeah. eleven twenty-four. You just—you've uh, never really been to a sacrifice. <laughs> the, the way the way that guy screamed when his
2: skin came off was unmatched.
1: <laughs> oh man! Uh, yeah, yeah. sex. It, not not a pleasant people. No, it's all funny until you realize the number of children they sacrifice, and you're like, "Oh, yeah. this
2: is grisly." Yeah. No, it's really bad. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Um, um, and yet I still, you know, uh, yeah, obviously still cheer for them against the filthy Euro- Europeans.
2: Well, yeah. I th- The way I look at it is, is uh, you know, I mean, the Aztecs were themselves a murderous conqueror of their neighbors. So I'm sure some of the people who had been conquered by the Aztecs were like, can't really complain about that one too much, can you, bitch? Um, but then they all died from disease. So,
1: yeah. Hmm. Um, I, I'm sure, uh, uh, well, at least one of them died from, I don't know. I don't know if you wonder what you die from when you went to the human sacrifice, just like flying, uh, that, that would suck, you know, if you just <laughs> flying bone <laughs> splinters or something, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah yeah i see what you mean um you could
2: slip on a, a discarded gallbladder or something like that yeah break it yeah in.
1: i guess you could accidentally get sacrificed like you know <laughs>
2: yeah um nick mullen jokes are coming to mind but yeah say they got the wrong yeah. guy <laughs> yeah yeah
1: <laughs> oh man uh, uh paul did did you care for that courtney barnett cover
2: um, it was all right, yeah. It sounded like, I thought, a Courtney Barnett cover of um, uh, Slater-Kenny Wood, which is very good.
1: Yeah. Um, Slater-Kenny, uh, not, not like a particular big favorite of this pod, but... I like know. them pretty well. There's at least
2: one album I've listened to where I was like, that's really good.
1: Yeah, they're good. They're good. I, they were yeah. too cool in the 90s for me to... Now, I'm still slightly intimidated by just, you know... How they were an extra level of cool at that time, definitely true. They were popular with twenty-five-year-olds when I was fifteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so uh, here we are. Um, speaking of the nineties, um, Pitchfork released a, yet another update of their best of nineties list.
0: Oh
2: no! Uh,
1: I refuse. I refuse to look at it. I will not. It's got to be it. so bad. There's gonna be like fucking like that like Mar- like a Mariah Carey album's gonna be in the top twenty. Oh, Shania Twain is probably in the top five. Fuck me.
2: <laughs> is okay. Did they unpublish the old list? Is my question, or can you still look it up, like the I, original one that was made by hipsters like us?
1: Um, previously, when we we looked at the last update, I did find that list. I can't remember. I think it was still somewhere on the Pitchfork site, but it was easier to find elsewhere. Yeah, um, their their original best of the 90s list like made you know that was made just a few um yeah in like 2004 or something yeah it was so good I mean it was so you yeah. know it was just like yeah this is a this is a site about rock music mostly and this is mostly like the best rock albums of the 90s and it's like
2: yep i don't know yep okay so i'm looking at the best of the 90s section so this is pitchfork.com slash topic slash the best music of the 1990s. Uh, Can you get no, the old no, one? No, it's not It's not in the link. <laughs> like, there's no link to it from in Oh, Jesus, fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, not even like a, hey, we our previous staff thought of it this way. Um, you know, I guess it's not that uncommon. I'm sure plenty of magazines, like, you know, if you fast forward 20 years, the current staff hates the old staff, but it's funny.
1: Yeah, that's true. It could be an active uh, hatred of the previous staff. Oh, it's—I think it very much is. Um, yeah, <laughs> I th- they when they redid
2: when they redid the last. There was one way we, we read their redoing of, and they said um, that right at the top, like, "Hey, you know, this is about how we've changed as a publication and a culture, and stuff like that." It was as yeah. nice of a. These
1: were evil people. they they do have pitchforks their favorite one-hit wonders of the 90s that's the list i'd uh i'd i'd vibe with yeah that's fine that's great the 90s was great for those oh god Um, i'm I'm really like tempted to click the list to get uh mad
2: okay well i will say this i'm looking at the page we've got a graphic for the 250 best songs of the 1990s yes i see i'm looking at this graphic yeah they have four artists in it and Mariah, Kurt Cobain, Bjork and Aphex Twin. I'm fine with that selection. Like if that's yeah. the spirit of the list,
1: that's great. I songs are where I'm just much more into the update. Like, you know, they, get getting your best pop songs like you know, Fine hypnotize is the best song of the 90s. I love hypnotize. Like let's do it. You know, I'm not saying Is that saying, what the list is? No, <laughs> but I'm just saying if that is number 1 or something like that, fine. Let's do it.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah, that would be great. That would be no problem. Actually, speaking of Hypnotize, that reminded me of something I wanted to bring up. It's now the soundtrack that I keep seeing during football ads for um, an ad for Microsoft Azure uh, Cloud Database <laughs> Services. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> so, like, you know, it's got uh. that – it's the incredible beat, like, you know, the, the intro part where it's, you know, uh, Biggie going, uh – um, yes. oh yeah like just one of the best beats ever made by yes without without question and um you just i'm just hearing it and it like you know like the the voiceover sort of leads into biggie going off in the song mm-hmm. and i'm just like this is just this is, cloud database services are the least gangster thing there is nothing less gangster mm. than Yes. Um, yes. Doing your database computing in a remote network of uh, old Linux boxes that are designed to uh, increase uptime and relieve stress from the developer, like yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is not gangster. Fuck that man.
1: <laughs> like the, even like like not using a cloud service is much more gangster. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <It's>... Oh man. <laughs> uh, so the... anyway. The, I did click the best songs and 200 of the 250 number 250 is lens steal my sunshine which is a good right. jo- it's a good joke I, to put it there I like that I, I actually like
2: that choice I love that song I can't oh get it yeah out of my head. <laughs> yeah the, that's actually the perfect way to start the list honestly all right yeah maybe exactly. maybe pitchfork is better than we thought
1: <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna do the top I'm gonna do the top songs. I'm gonna do okay. the top songs, top ten songs. Number one, I was right. It was fucking Mariah Carey. <laughs> of course it is.
2: <laughs> now for the uh, singles, like it's fine, like whatever. Yeah. I guess I don't. There's actually no. It's not fine. It's bullshit. But
1: um, two yeah. is Bjork's hyper ballad, which is uh, absolutely lit. That's a very cool choice. Uh, I would have chosen a different Bjork song, but that's fine. Yeah, no, no Three complaints. Three is Aaliyah. Uh, you mm-hmm. know. Four is Liz Fair's fucking run. Um you know, that's a very pitchfork now looking at the nineties pick.
0: hmm.
1: Yes. Five is Missy Elliott. Uh we are all women so far, top five. Uh six is smells like teen spirit. Um that's you know uh yeah. seven is Window Liquor. <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah, eight is Destiny Child, say my name. Uh okay. man, night- I definitely
2: so that's yeah. a song that I definitely heard a million times at the time, Yes. And was never like, "Well, this is the eighth best song of this decade." No,
1: I was like, "This song is just being driven into my mind." Yeah, nine is Biggie's "Juicy." Uh, I would, I would, I don't know. I I like "Juicy" isn't my favorite Biggie song, but that's a different thing. Ten is "Bikini uh-huh. Kills," "Rebel Girl." I can't even summon that to my mind, which you know probably makes me. I'm sure it sounds like all the other bikini kill songs. We aren't professional music critics, and thank God for that. Fuck, fuck being a professional music critic, and you just get on Twitter and are annoying. (laughs) I'm really, I'm really off Twitter and Instagram now, and it's it's beautiful. Oh, really? You you joined me in not being on Twitter. Yeah, I mean I, I have to I have to look at it for work like a couple minutes, you know, for a little bit of yeah. a day, but like I don't I'm not on my account ever like logged in yeah. anymore. That's that's
2: I'm glad to hear, yeah. It, man. Welcome. Yeah. It's just Ale- so much more
1: relaxed. Eleven is Daft Punk's around the world, uh that rules. Twelve is yeah. Lauren Hill Yeah. Again,
2: uh- like most of these are like songs that are like my third favorite song from this artist. So yeah, yeah a bad I'm
1: just gonna read these. I'm gonna read the yeah. through the rest of the top Twenty Five. You stop me. Yeah. Lauren Hill's Do Wop. Good choice. Ma- Mazzy Star Fade Into You. I mean that should be number uh, one on the One Hit Wonders list. Yeah. Fa- uh, Fiona Apple Criminal. Uh, Mob Deep Shook sure. Ones Part Two. Great song. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um I just want this list to be harder. That's my thing. Yes. And that yeah. Bob deep is at least hard. It's got to be the hard Yeah, we need the hard yeah. only list. Uh yeah. <laughs> next is George Michael's Freedom. The um, no. Not hard, George or Michael... maybe extremely hard. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I feel like George Michael should just even if he released music in the 90s it should only be eligible for the
1: 80s list. Mm. Uh Head, Sour Times. Cool. Uh very hard. <laughs> uh, Pulp's Common People, not hard. Uh, I do not like that song. Um, uh, it's not that r- great. It really annoys me. Um, uh, Nothing Compares to You, hard in its way.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, I Underworld- Connor goes hard for sure. Oh, so hard.
1: Uh, Underworld's Born Slippy. Uh, uh, which one is that? Is that one of those uh, annoying dance songs that I remember? Yeah, I believe so. Okay. Uh, Beastie Boys' Sabotage goes right. so hard that too many people have gone hard with it mm-hmm. it's now less hard breeders cannonball hard Great song shares believe fuck no oh my god get the fuck out of here that song absolutely
2: sucks it's really fuck that song
1: paul that is 23 uh, that's this is the first outright terrible tw- song uh 2020 20, okay i was glad i'm glad <laughs> i get the chance to be mad that's 23 and 24 is paranoid <laughs> android <laughs>
2: <laughs> Does anybody think that Cher's Believe is a better song than Radiohead's
1: Paranoid Android? You could o- <laughs> only if you hated like alternative rock entirely could you
2: believe yeah, that. There I is don't just... even
1: Oh my god.
2: Believe is not what is a good what is good about Believe? Like it's it was a generic dumb pop song at the time that I felt like I had heard 50 times already before Cher recorded. It,
1: it was only popular because she's like you know it was like her comeback hit
2: yeah yeah this it was a total nostalgia play as far as i could tell
1: yeah okay and then 25 was a tribe called quest can i kick it
2: yeah they should also be kicking uh pitchfork's ass for putting them behind sheer yeah Uh uh,
1: and and the the i i don't know i'm i'm going through the rest of the top like 50 Uh here and it's just not really that nothing really worth talking about um uh, you know, it, it's just the, uh-huh. the 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 nature of this list is that it's it's a playlist. It's like this is like a good night. It's like if you're making what is you know an interesting, thoughtful '90s playlist. Like this is good. Like you're you saying, know, it's more representative of the era. Correct. Like th- good a selection songs of the top. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Good songs that are also representative.
0: And you know, I would
1: tend to agree absolutely with that. Yeah, that's kind of the era we're in. That's how we represent. How uh, that's how we, you know, that's the. Well, I want to say mainstream, mainstream, elevated mainstream approach to culture. Yes, is, uh, you know, quality and representation. <laughs> that's a good way to put it. Mm-hmm. Why? Well, all right, all right. I'm I'm stopping looking at this list. Yeah, I'm I'm done. I'm done now. Um, I did have uh, this is sort of it's tangential but this is a random question I thought of yesterday mm-hmm. um, speaking of rankings like if you okay in, in 30 seconds what would be or less what would be your guess as to what your 50th favorite album is oh man uh 30 seconds or less yeah just where do you get like what do you think uh, uh...
2: man it could be something like would it be as uh, okay so the thing that's coming to mind that i think is probably wrong is better than ezra's how does your garden grow which is an album i liked a lot when it came out i think it yeah probably has like it's the only reason i still think about it now if it came out three years ago i would have liked it and then forgotten about it you know um but because it was just back when I've had few albums. Um, so I don't it might be too low, but that's the thing that's coming to mind.
1: yeah, i I like that. I like that kind of answer. Um, I, what I when I did this and I did try and keep myself to fifty, you know, to thirty seconds, I, I thought it would be something like my because they're on my mind, like my third favorite big thief album or like yeah something like that my, my second favorite local like local natives album No I was know. trying to think
2: of that too like if it's he, if my average favorite band I love two of their albums so it's like my 25th favorite band or something like that you know Yeah
0: Cuz you uh, go through
1: yeah yeah you go through a lot and I'm not yes I don't the exercise yeah if you start trying to name your first 50 albums that we get into just like the history of this podcast so I mean um, I wouldn't
2: I would I would by the time I got to 20 I would have thought of 10 I already forgot
1: and had to push yes. back into the list. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, when you start thinking... For me, it was like, how many Pink Floyd's albums are actually in my top 50? And it's like, I don't really know. Never really considered that. Um, but yeah. my question is, would you... uh, not... If you had to choose between the two, would uh-huh. you not listen to your not be able to listen to your 50th favorite album ever again, or uh-huh. not be able to play your favorite video game ever again. Oh, I would give up the video game easily. No question. Yeah. I think that's what I would do too. <laughs> just an interest.
2: Yeah. First of all, because like, I just don't replay video games that much. So yeah. True. Easy. Right. No, um, oh, that's a good point. Yeah. And my favorite oh. video game is definitely
1: more of an art experience that I don't really go back to ever. Yeah, that would be right. My that would be kind of the lack of replay is yeah, maybe sort of the point there. Um, like yeah. if you were
2: if you were a person who, you know, was super into online gaming, then it becomes like that's like if you're an online FPS guy of some kind. Yeah. then it's like your thing you do.
1: Well, it's like if. Yeah. And if and if, um, you know, it, if I probably in 30 seconds, I'm I'm thinking my favorite game was like either Final Fantasy VII or Final Fantasy IV, you know, or something. Mm-hmm. And it's like, man, I love those games, but I don't ever actually have to play them again.
2: <laughs> never, never has to happen once. No, um. nope. <laughs> no, no. Uh, the ideal thing is when your kids get into some of the old games; that can be fun to just sort of watch them play. I have really—it's it, real hit and miss which ones they pick.
1: It really uh, has—it's perfect because I don't really want to waste time on video games much myself anymore. Like uh-huh. that's not how I want to kind of it's like lower on my list, but I do have an urge to play them and yeah. being able to do it like and spend time with the kids, it's like suddenly, yes, this is perfect. Like this exactly, is Exactly. It rules. No.
2: You've got like a decade and a half ahead of you, if not more, you know. Yes. You know so like we'll, we'll be getting get into their Christmas and playing our sons at video games like. Yes. That's sick. Yeah, uh, but but no, like uh, yeah, absolutely. Bonding with your kids uh, via video games uh, is awesome. It's uh, it feels like exercising while eating dessert or something.
1: Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. And uh, now uh, my son, for his bedtime story, like tonight, he just wanted me to tell him a story of uh, him and all his Squish mallows uh, play uh going through four different Super Mario levels. So, you know, oh my God! There you go. So he's got the full Super Mario brain now, or what? Full full brain. Yes. Yeah, I'm uh, answering questions about like specific enemies. Yeah, yeah. All day. Like,
2: is he asking about the lore? Like, what is a Goomba? And you're like, nobody knows what a fucking Goomba is.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's like, yeah, sort of like, oh, why is uh you know, is Pokey a bad guy? Why? And I'm like, I, it's because it's fun. He asked me what yeah. a chain chomp is. And I was like, a living chain.
2: <laughs> so like, <laughs> exactly. so you're playing like the old school side scrolling games, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, like some of those become like, I feel like new questions get asked when you move to like the 3D games. Like the chain chomp becomes a massive, crazy monster in 3D uh, as compared to his 2D representation so it'll be interesting to see his understanding of the uh the ontology of the chain chomp evolve as he moves through the
1: decades here uh but the last the last comment is just you've told me about how they get good and he's got his (laughs) his ipad one mario run and Uh he
2: is so good at it (laughs) Yes, yeah, so the one like that's you just have to like tap, right?
1: Yeah, it's terrifying. Yeah. Just that he can now like I just watched him like time the jumps so he could just get all the coins and like go back and forth. I'm like, man, this, yeah, it's crazy.
2: It's <laughs> absurd what they can do when they have no time and infinite uh attention or yes. no time, no time to spend on anything else and infinite yes. attention. Um. Yeah, so my kids didn't get into Mario Run, but Geometry Dash is a tablet game they did that is the same concept of Ooh. constant motion and you're just tapping to bounce your little guy. Um, and, like, Rowan even got into building the levels and everything. Anyway, it's uh it's intense and hardcore, some of the levels. Of nice. That.
1: Nice. Well, Gabe, I'm always trying to bribe Gabe with a new game, so, you know, it's good to have some in the back pocket. Yeah. Uh, why don't we... Um, Uh, This is shocking But why don't I just say We listen to the theme song And then we listen to the theme song And talk some more Okay No funny cuts (laughs) Yeah Oh man Uh, Theme song Mm -hmm.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah Oh, there we go Hell yeah Yeah, 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 yeah yeah. (laughs) Man, uh Camera flash, click, whoa Blood trip from the fucking up, Like, get out, huh? I'll be killing, I'll be iller, so ill, So all get out. I'm blitted, I'm lifted, I'm riffin' wild. Tick, tick, boom, chicka, chicka. Blah, blit out, you yeah. huh. 23, skid huh? you rip the e break, skid out. <laughs> yeah, your man a damn go, huh? Moses couldn't watch 40 days in my sandals enough flames for eight days or eight nights worth of candles, at least. Word vandalized our samples, the worst that you heard. You couldn't handle the truth from Jack Nicholson. Kick a dope little verse. The hearse any rapper that thought they was worse. Then our ghost dog, like Whitaker. Huh? For really, y'all live and prove it. Uh, Sticking and moving, silly and stupid. Really, juice, goosey, goosey. Shoot. Who he fucking even fucking thought he was? Even though, somebody stop me, bro. I'm Jim Carrey. I'm the Super Bowl doggy. I've been very much of that opinion for a long time now. No kidding. Look at the previous freestyles and writings interwoven into new scriptures and woven like sutures. Stocks, bonds. and welcome to savage
1: beast. I'm Joe Gallagher and with me as always, uh unaware that I'm recording this intro as a drop in because I forgot to do it uh, during the episode. It's Paul McLeod. That's a great beat. Yes, uh that's a it's uh Get Out Jacuzzi Jefferson featuring Cool AD. Uh good beat. Although I got to say Paul, I I do think that your kind of mystic beat pulled uh, a good freestyle out of cool.
2: That, he did a good, yeah. Yeah. He did a nice thing.
1: Some of the, some of the other ones, cause he shares them, you know, people post them and then he shares them on his Instagram and mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, a lot of, I mean, maybe we, I honestly, I, I think we maybe got him like at a good point in how stoned he was. <laughs> um, I don't know. You know, I don't think I could really evaluate the level of, of, um, high someone like Cool A D can be, like whether we got him at his highest or at his less stone, but it was a good I feel like it was a good point. He was really lucid. Yeah, yeah. he's probably
2: coming down then a little bit from mm-hmm. the full blunt of it, so to speak. Yes. Up.
1: Um yeah, this is a good track. Uh jacuzzi J- Jefferson. Nice name. Yeah. I like yeah. that. Yeah, good one there. Um you should uh you should put uh, I- I'm sure cool would not mind. If we put the track on Spotify, you just have to no. pick your, your artist name. Yeah. For Spotify. Okay. <laughs> we should just get it up there. We should, we should, we
2: should speak of which we should also probably put the podcast on Spotify since everybody can do that now.
1: Yes. I've been meaning to do that for like literally a year. I'm going to do it. I'm going to, f- I'm going to do it now. Uh huh. Cause I want to share, right. I want to share it from Spotify. Uh, it's
2: gotten to the point where I was, somebody asked me like, Oh, are you on Spotify? And I had to be like, no (laughs) there's no reason for it soon (laughs) enough uh
1: i feel like it was a bit of a protest like a lazy protest Um,
2: yeah well that's the classic 90s move uh protests by doing nothing
1: uh it is (laughs) um let's see here uh you paul you went to hoko fest and you got a story to tell yeah i got to tell why don't you tell those story? Tell us, tell us what Hoco Fest is, and uh, talk about your time there.
2: Yeah, Hoco stands for Ho- Hotel Congress, which is an historic. I can't believe I said an historic, which is a historic hotel, um, about a mile and a half from my place, where John Dillinger uh, was captured. Um, but uh, they do a festival every year on Labor Day weekend. And uh, this year was the first one that had an actually cool lineup, including uh, Warpaint and uh, uh, Helado Negro. Who else was on there that I cared about? I now have to look it up. Armand Hammer. Um, and, um, okay, now I'm looking at the list. Uh, Los Apson, which is uh, old Mexican guys playing Spanish-language covers of American songs. Uh, Mudu Mokhtar, whom we've discussed on this podcast yes. was there. This
1: re- prompted that pr- you mentioning hit that he'd be there prompted me to listen again and I remembered how fucking badass that album is.
2: Yeah, Aruja Oftab whom I really liked in on record and was somewhat underwhelmed by uh in person. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh so just to round out interesting music notes real quick. Uh Flasher was there who I had almost forgotten about, but they might have been my favorite show. They're a DC post-punk punk band. We had, they've def, they were definitely on like the best of the quarter list for me back when we were doing that. Mm. Um, so just a reminder that Flasher is really good to everybody out there. Go listen to them. Um, sort of like, you know, fast, smart, and angry in a good way. Nice. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Claire Ruse played uh, inside. Do you know who she is?
1: No, that does not ring a bell.
2: There was an indoor performance venue at the festival in the like uh, semi fake speakeasy that hotel congress has constructed she's a um like musique concrete/ambient/you slash slash, know very lo-fi slow uh, songs almost sort of person All and right. uh, that was just inter- entertaining because you i was sitting there and like she would be playing and then you know she would just leave her laptop's going and go walk in the crowd and talk to people and then i was like it was just sort of funny because you're trying to decide whether you're supposed to be sitting there watching this or hanging out in a bar talking or <laughs> what. But always wonderful when a band is so quiet, you're not sure how to react to it in yes, person. there you go. <laughs> um, She's good on record if you're into that sort of thing. Uh, let's see. Um, Okay, so then here's another thing that happened at Hoko Fest that I thought was worth bringing up. Do you remember how I was telling you, I think this was like on the last podcast episode, Uh, We were talking about how, like, you wear a T-shirt that says Radiohead on it, and you get a lot of people telling you, "Oh my God, I love that shirt." But if you wear a Radiohead shirt without all that, nobody says anything. Uh huh. So I saw a guy at the at like, not long after we had that conversation, I saw a guy at the festival wearing a one of the um, it was like the like spinning plates shirt or one of those, the ones with the the cream colored with the red text, uh, ones that they did with all the lyrics yes and uh yeah. i immediately asked him uh you know we're in this music fest full of hipsters all you know everybody uh from tucson who's cool there and i asked him like hey man has uh how many people have recognized that as a Radiohead shirt and he was like you're actually the first one so <laughs> 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 Point wow made. yeah there you go <laughs> um and then we yeah somehow that became a conversation but anyway um no, so the the highlight of the show though, no question, was uh it's a four night show, but one of the nights Warpaint was the big stage outdoor headliner. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Playing in the same place I saw them play five or six
1: years ago. I don't remember if we were recording the podcast yet then. It might have um, been we talked about their first album or maybe yeah, I can't remember. We, were, we talked yeah. about them in the early days, but I'm not sure it was when you saw them it,
2: it might have been because I saw them. I don't know. But that, I saw them yeah. in the same spot, same stage. Mm-hmm. And uh, at that time, a, the whole the, the notable incident was that um, in the middle of one of their songs, one of the most massive shooting stars I've ever seen in my life shot uh, across the sky behind them. So everybody in the crowd lost their shit, and then they are wondering why everybody was cheering in the middle of their uh, song. So that was funny. Yeah. Um, But anyway, so they came out this time and they started playing and uh, uh, it was actually ended up being a really interesting show because uh, Emily, one of the main uh, songwriter singers, was, uh, as they said, uh, barfing and shitting her guts out in Hmm. uh, the tour van. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And so they just decided they had to either uh, cancel or play a three person set, which they said they have never done ever and they didn't want to cancel as wow. the headliners of the day. Yeah. So it was uh Jenny Lee the bassist, Stella the drummer and Teresa the um other singer and guitarist um trying to pull it off. And honestly, they did a great job even when it was songs nice. where like j- Teresa was just singing and then it was the rhythm section like that rhythm section is going nuts. So nice. That's cool. Uh, yeah, it was actually a really cool show. Yeah, um, and they kept <laughs> they um, <laughs> they they kept talking about you know how like you know they were like thankful that we were being nice about it, which it was honestly great. Um, and they were shocked that they could even pull this off because again, they've never done it before. Right. And uh, at one time, Teresa, I don't know. Anyway, so I'm watching the whole show, and um, I'm deciding during it like, all right, in the current Paul rankings uh, Teresa is the sexiest woman alive. Um, mm-hmm. just, just gorgeous person. And this band is amazing. And, uh, she's up there, you know, playing and singing and stuff. So anyway, had a great time Watched the show. Everybody was going nuts. Um, there was a show after them in the same outdoor area. It was just like more of a, it was a DJ guy actually. Um, so much more low kill, low key and chill. So I got there and it's like, uh, you know, maybe a couple dozen people out there still, And just sort of dancing, hanging out. It's past midnight at this point. And then I realized that uh, Stella and Teresa are like six feet away from me to my side, dancing to it. And then eventually Jenny Lee came out. And everybody's dancing, and we're like all around each other. And I swear to God, it means nothing. This is a stupid, like, boyish, uh, you know, thrill. But Teresa did dance all the way around, specifically me at one point, and then go back to her friends and stuff. That is, Um, there you go, man yeah so that was uh that was a fine fine uh incident for me
1: to experience that's excellent yeah that's you know uh uh you uh you danced with uh the hot chick from the band that uh yeah
2: now granted they're all four hot
1: i want to be clear teresa's just you know (laughs) my choice all four all four are hot that's that is it is law
2: (laughs) yeah i want to be clear um yeah. But anyway, uh, good time. Uh, anybody who's in the area next year, uh, I would recommend Hoco Fest. It was uh, well
1: put together. Uh yeah, that's I mean, that's a good lineup. I feel like if it had been uh that uh I don't know let's might have to put a Tucson Labor Day on the calendar here. Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah. Um although uh I admit I've been uh plotting our uh you and I go expensing our trip to Europe to see big thief next year. So, you know, (laughs) (laughs) who wants to go to Rotterdam? I do. I would Um, love to go to Rotterdam. Yeah. Um, we'll get there. Uh, we got to take a little, uh, was that the, that I, I assume that was exciting conclusion of Hoko fest, uh, on the pod. Yes. That's, uh, that's all I got for you. There were notes, but I think that's the good
2: ones. That's good.
1: Um, uh, yeah, I might look for some shitty YouTube videos of them playing as three piece. Uh, yeah. Um, sure. What was? Oh, we got to take our medicine here, though, and uh, and chat about the Smashing Pumpkins briefly. Ah, yes. Um, I don't really <laughs> want to, but uh, they announced the a new album, A Tum um i have not checked if that's or if it's supposed to be adam a t u uh, s. so
2: i listened to the first episode of his podcast where he talked about the title track okay and i think it was something like atom or something like that Atom. but okay. i was really drunk and it was a very stupid detail so i didn't necessarily
1: remember it got it um and this 33 song epic uh plus 10 bonus songs if you want to pay at least $200 for the vinyl special edition <laughs> uh up to 500 for just the insane, insane box set um even Radiohead has never <laughs>
2: no
0: um
1: uh and um they Where was I? So 33 song, new album that is a uh, triple album sequel to Melancholy and Machina. Um, Machina suddenly being a sequel to Melancholy, uh, Uh even though that was just really the vaguest of concepts then. Um, Uh I mean, really just going down to the one... Uh, plot point that supposedly Billy in Melancholy was a character named Zero, and in Machina, that character Zero became the character of Glass. Yeah. But really, other connections were just not ever made back then.
2: Um, I just don't even buy that there's a story to Melancholy. Like, that's absurd. No,
1: there absolutely is not. It was not conceived... I mean, even if there are some... Bits of it in how, you know, at some point, like, I don't know, you put together an album, you probably like that big, you probably probably crosses your mind. But like, sure, they recorded like 50 songs and just kind of flood made them put the best ones on there. And like there there is not there's no story across it. I refuse. Yeah. That. No, Um, if
2: you're doing it, you're just like, like. De- picking deciding what mind state each song represents, and then constructing some story where a character goes through those mind states and sequences. Yes. but there's nothing internal <laughs> yes. to the songs. Yes. That that's a does great
1: that. way to put it. <laughs> um, that's that's exactly the exercise. Um, <laughs> like, oh yeah, a character is feeling sad and now really, I agree uh-huh uh, He's thinking about <laughs> chill times when he was young, and now he just wants to scorch the earth. That's uh, <laughs> exactly us, you know. Uh huh. That's zero. Um. So I thought that was tales of scorched earth. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean that's <laughs> zero. Is 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 the one who is uh, thinking about the character? Ah, uh, yes. Um. Um. Yeah, it was tales of scorched earth. Um. I see. I see. Yeah. So as you found out while you were drunk, Billy is releasing one song at a time via a podcast. Um, that's the only place you can listen to most of the tracks. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I have I, I have not listened to the podcast at all. How was it?
2: It was super interesting,
0: actually. <laughs> it yeah, was yeah, fascinating. I believe, I believe that
2: it's also terrible. Um, like so. Okay, it's him and his uh, handpicked hosts. And I was like, at first I thought they were like some guys from a music podcast or something. And like somebody had, you know, some, some promoter had like put them together to do this as their promo thing. No, it's two guys who work for Billy on his wrestling circuit. Um, so, complete sycophants. Um, and uh, they've got like... You know, hey Billy, we're your buddy type voice. Real radio yeah. sportscaster yeah. guys. Um which is just a ridiculous juxtaposition. I um, love that.
1: I love that every <laughs> famous person has like that they're like podcast pal that like serves as the the funny comic relief host. Like almost uh-huh. every NBA player's podcast is like that.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like we need to get a professional talker in here. Yeah. And um the thing is all those people bring is polish and very little, uh, of anything else. Correct. Um, so, uh, at least the guys on the Billy podcast. Um, so there are two of them. And then, uh, he had Mike Garson on to talk about piano shit. And, you know, there were some interesting stories. Like they talked about how they met and their history with music. And Mike Garson seems like a really interesting guy, uh, if also insane in kind of the same way Billy is. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, um, you know, then they played uh, Atom, the the lead, uh, I think it's the first song, but at any rate, the title track, which Billy then, ex- so he plays it, and I'm listening to it, and it's just fucking terrible, like an
0: awful <laughs> song.
2: It's uh, instrumental, and it's got this really, like, ponderous uh, drum part to it, uh, to say nothing of the overwrought, um, you know, piano and guitar shit going on in strings or whatever. I don't remember all the details. But it's really bad, and then he's like, "Yeah, this is you know this this is the melancholy and the infinite sadness theme, uh, you know, uh, cor- uh, analog on this album," and I'm like, "Well, that just right there, like me- the the theme song, melancholy and infinite sadness from the album, is you know somewhat uh, sentimental but gorgeous and uh, extremely catchy, and I think about it all the time, and the song <laughs> fucking blows, man, <laughs> like <laughs> like shit." Um, and so then, uh, you know, he, he goes on to explain, like, self-importantly, what's uh, all this stuff about it. And it's like, how can you, like, it's just weird how these people just can't tell that the music isn't good anymore. Uh, yeah. And even Mike Garson thinks it's good, you know? Um, and yeah. Uh, yeah, and uh, so then at, after they're done discussing all that, and it's sort of weird and embarrassing, um, then they do the segment where they play an old song and talk about it. And it's 1979, and they play the whole song. And it's like, this, this song is so fucking great. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm walking around drunk at night listening to this podcast. And the song comes on, and of course, I've heard it 10,000 times. I'm like, oh my god, it's so good. Um, <laughs> and uh, so then they talk about that and lots of good, interesting tidbits, including some exclusive ones he says he claims he's never said before. So worth listening I'll have to the to podcast for that, that part. kind of shit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, nothing earth shouting, but interesting stuff. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I've, I've blocked some of it from my mind, but I remember there being some really embarrassing uh, Billy getting philosophical and then the host getting sycophantic uh, drivel towards the end, um, but also some really interesting things from Billy, too, because he, he is an actual interesting guy who just has no perspective, I guess. I don't know. Yeah,
1: that's – Yes. <laughs> wow, okay, that's sort of an endorsement. I'm going to have to start listening to this podcast.
2: I, I've, I haven't dared to, but I still actually do want to continue listening to it.
1: Um, let's listen to another song from it. Um, I'm going to send you uh, the episode with Jimmy, and around 23, the song Good and Goodbye starts. Okay. 23 minutes, so we'll listen to a little bit of that. Hi, everyone. It's Secret Joe again. Uh, the Pumpkins have been uh, stopping people from posting uh, rips of any of the songs uh, released early for this new album, and uh, so I can't find it to rip it for the pod. And on top of that, we already have a copyright strike here uh, at Savage Beast for uh, starting an episode with a Kendrick Lamar song, uh, which in retrospect was pretty dumb. Uh, So instead of listening to the pumpkin song, uh, we're going to listen to uh, I Only Play for Money off uh, The Frogs, classic EP Star Job, recorded in 1994 with producer Billy Corgan, Flemmian Brothers appearing on tour with the Pumpkins and in the documentary, Vuforia. Here we go, The Frogs, I Only Play for Money.
0: I don't
3: do interviews, I won't sign autographs,
0: don't you love a star when he's a prince?
3: Take
1: my picture. And there we go. Uh, All right. Paul, I wish I listened to the whole thing. Uh, I, th- I don't know I, if
2: I got to the end or not. It was pretty, it sounded like it was
1: ending. Did you get to the little, <laughs> s- well, wait, did you, there was a fake ending. Did you get to the little, like, three seconds of synth, then it, like, picked up again? No. Should I go back? Uh, you know, no. Okay, you it just breaks it into the. Up. It just breaks into like another shine and we all shine on shit part uh, again. But I wish there was a camera on me during this. The uh, listen to this song. Uh, at first, I was like, kind of like, yeah, right, like just you know, generic. Got to the, you know, there may have been some part and maybe the first verse or chorus where there was like four seconds of good songwriting, like something interesting happened. And I was like, okay, well, thanks for that tease that will, um, undoubtedly, um, undoubtedly the rest of the song will improve. Uh, you know, um, and then, uh, we got to the shine and we all shine on. We kept saying that bridge and I was gritting Uh my teeth. Uh, then after that, just so you know, I don't know if
2: you're aware, but, Glass on this album is now named Shiny.
1: I, yes, yes. Uh, so yes, which makes that part worse. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> then that launched into sort of this blistering guitar solo that uh-huh, was, it was out so of place, bad. <laughs> and I was just my then my mouth was hanging open. After that kind of got back into it and I was just had a steely look in my face. Uh-huh. My, my whole visage, I was like, I'm getting through this. But then there was that symphonic break that you missed for like uh-huh. three seconds, and then it went back into shine and we'll all shine on shit. Uh-huh. Maybe with How like did you feel about Trump Trump the female backing solo. vocals? Very bad. And so then for this last, this last part you weren't listening to, my head was just in my hands. Uh, <laughs> it was bad. It was dumb. I don't – someone – I did read a couple comments on this, and someone said, "Why do all their songs sound so digital now?" And
2: that—that's—I uh, don't get it. There's something so bad about the sound of the Smashing Pumpkins' modern output. It's awful. It's, um, it's insane. It's like yeah. uh, with
1: like uh, the band is led by someone who's like uh, studio perfectionist, and yeah, how how is he doing I don't, this? I
2: don't know why that's the thing. I mean, and you know, he talks about that on the podcast too. He, he mentioned in passing, you know, about how vocals are so much higher in the mix now than they've ever been before. Um, and you can hear that in the way he mixed this song and it's bad. I was actually just listening cause I got some higher fi digital streaming going on my stereo. And I was listening to p- some pumpkin songs because I had not been able to listen to them at lower fidelity. And uh, I was noticing they sound much better this way. And, yeah, like, Billy is buried in the guitar (laughs) mix in those old songs. And it's awesome. Yes.
1: Totally. Uh, Um,
2: I don't know if it's just him trying to be popular and follow the trends, like, self-consciously. Because he's, like, he's thinking about it out loud. He's aware of it it or what. Yeah. Uh, But then, so there's that. And then I also don't get why, like... That sort of like heavy metal chunk riff thing that like definitely existed in the 90s and was never part of the Pumpkins repertoire before is now like his main rock move is to do that really annoying sound that I don't really get.
1: I I think someone – I don't know that – I don't know anything about playing guitar really, but someone described that as palm palm mute – is palm that mute, what it chugging. is yeah that
2: is that makes perfect yeah. sense that that's what it'd be palm muting would mean you're using your palm to like mute the strings so that it just does that yeah like, chunk, instead of going on yes yeah, yeah i don't know why it became the thing the only their, their main rock no move, but... it's
1: they you're right they never did it and it really it's always noticeable and it's just a terrible part of their new sound yeah one of the many and, terrible parts
2: yeah, and then just the completely wankerish solo that you mentioned. Billy used to do really good solos that, like, had soul to them. And now it's just, like, it's just, uh, like, lame 70s rock god ripoff stuff.
1: I, I think, I, honestly, my my conclusion with this is that there is part of him that wants to keep doing this and part of him, though, that, like, doesn't feel like he should have to try <laughs> the <laughs> way he so. needed to. do
2: you know maybe so maybe he's like yeah yeah my ideas are good enough like sure people just don't like yeah. them because people are weird
1: yes yeah.
2: one of the interesting things he said on the podcast was he uh some of this came back to me as we were listening to that song um is uh he mentioned um how you know it seems to be the case like for some bands the more uh whenever they try to do something weird, the market uh, punishes them and then gets mad and they have to only stick to their one uh, mainstream, you know, straight ahead uh, thing. And he's like, and it seems to be the case that for whatever reason, the Smashing Pumpkins are the other kind, the opposite, where people always, um, you know, hate them for going mainstream and um, reward them for being weird and following their own vision and everything. And I just thought that was very interesting because it's not wrong but it's just weird that he doesn't understand why he would be in one category and not the other and what the mindset yes. is in each category.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, too in too deep for sure. Um okay, well, uh <clears throat> I'm looking forward to the Savage Beast spin-off that is like our daily response to our weekly response to the Billy Corgan pod. We should do that. To be honest, it's, we should just, we should,
2: we should actually play the Billy Corgan pod under ours and just be doing the director's commentary on
1: the Billy pod. I always said you, I thought there was uh, someone probably does this now, but like, I felt like there was money to be made, like doing the Bill Simmons response podcast, like immediately after he posted one.
2: There probably is. I mean, response videos are huge on YouTube. I don't see why it couldn't exist in the podcast world. Yeah. And it's a um, huge thing in blogs, too. So,
1: Yeah. Well, unfortunately, Billy Corgan's podcast will not be popular enough for us to get popular responding to it. Um, plus, we'd have to compete with the Smashing Pumpcast, the world's oh my one god, Smashing Pumpkins podcast. Pumpcast. Uh, uh-huh. Could have been us. Oh,
2: there's actually another Savage Beast uh, podcast out there now.
1: Oh, really?
2: <laughs> yeah, if you Google us, for not number one. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. That's it's like better. Some, it's a it's a movie podcast. It's the their Twitter is Savage Beast Pod.
1: No, our Twitter is Savage Beast Pod.
2: No, we're Savage Beast Podcast, I think. No, they're Sav Beast Pod. Sorry. That's it. They're uh, Sav Beast Pod.
1: I don't yeah. care. Yep. I'm sure they googled us. They're like, "Can we name it this?" They looked yeah. us up. They're like, "Yeah, they're not popular." <laughs> <laughs> they're like, this is not that big of a deal. Fuck. <laughs> Absolutely, what happened? We should. T- I'm going to get back on Twitter and just tell these people to fuck off. Oh, no. Um,
2: no, I discovered this also when I was telling somebody about us the other day and then Googled this. I was like, oh, fuck. We're not number one if you search Average piece podcast. Uh, but, you know, it's not like we're both digital marketers. Um, so, fuck. God
1: damn it. Um <laughs> oh we should just do a crossover they look like uh they look like they do some pretty pretty sweet like horror movies so yeah uh, like they shitty did, and they, horror movies so their their last tweet
2: looks like it's about licorice pizza or one of them recently yeah yeah so that's like the last movie
1: we watched together joe we're it just is. like them it is good music in that film mm-hmm. um all right we're gonna troll these people somehow um Paul we have one less one last topic to cover mm-hmm. uh you listen to okay i'm not looking at it can i get it big yeah, Thief's new album Dragon War Mountain I believe in you oh you missed a word Dragon a New War Mountain I, I believe knew, in you yes yes i was about to say <laughs> is there new in front of dragon but no dragon new no after yeah. dragon
2: yeah i still don't know what it means but um Uh, I love it. Let's play a track called Shit. I should have looked this up and had it ready to go. named dragon new warm mountain. I believe in you. Um, all right. I'll go. Since I suggested the album, mm-hmm. I'll go first, Joe. And then you can tell me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, I picked that song, not because it's my favorite, although I really love it. Um, but um, I, su- I hope it was the one I meant to pick, uh, but because <laughs> it's one of the songs that most uh, represented on this album for me, um, that big thief, whom we've spent a lot of time over the past few years praising, for their prodigious and high quality output, um, uh, that they actually are really evolving their sonic palette in a way that is uh, very exciting, just because it means that maybe they can continue writing a billion songs and uh, finding new exciting things to do with them uh, going Mm -hmm. forward. Um, This and a number of other songs, um, now that I'm thinking about it, I can't remember which ones are which, uh, all had like sort of different types of um, just different types of sounds going on in a way that they didn't before, and so that, along with uh, continued excellence in songwriting that I'm happy to get into as well, um, uh, just got me really psyched when I listened to this album.
1: Yeah, that's a, I I like it getting psyched. I think the first time I listened to it when it came out, I just was maybe I was out of it. Um, something didn't. I, I I'm not even sure I finished it, and then. When I when wow. you told me about this, like I I was like I'm gonna put this on again, and I was like, holy shit, this album is, <laughs> uh, you know, just a, covers a wide range as it should over 20 song, and like basically everything they try on it works, yes, and it works really well, um, and uh, I I wrote that um, I I wish I truly wish that I could summon. All of my old powers to be obsessed with a band because I would definitely be obsessed with this band.
2: Yes. No, I mean, I think Adrian Linker is like uh, clearly the most talented, like the the most meaningful and impactful musician under 35 (laughs) that I can think of. Certainly in the rock idiom. Yeah. Um, Yeah. um, Honestly, if she had been born in 1940, I think she would be a like Joni Mitchell, Carol King pillar of our. Culture type of figure totally uh, yes
1: yeah that's a good way to describe her for sure
2: yeah just like the output the quality the the lyrics and the music and everything um i don't know man like the so there's that song like uh spud infinity which is like has this <laughs> yeah. one the third verse has the most Bizarre lyrics that the everybody lyrics comments on. Fucking rule. <laughs> They're so good. That song has now made me cry. that stanza, I'm being honest, has made me cry twice. I love it so much. Um there's such there's
1: like a, a deep innocence to it that's yes. really touching.
2: Yes. It's amazing. Um uh Time Escaping is a great song. And then just before we started the podcast, I had gotten to Simulation Swarm, the 17th track on the album. Mm. That song is so fucking good. Yeah. Um, it's insane. Yeah. Um, that was kind of I, their,
1: their, I think that was the first single from the album and it is great.
2: Okay, we should pl- close the uh, episode with that. Yeah. It's so good. Um, I'm going to send it to everybody I know. And, you know, both original and uh, exciting and rocking, you know. Um, no, I just, uh, we probably have said everything I want to say about Adrian Lenker and the band before, but just like the combination of um of the the incredible poetry and then um just apparently infinite songwriting skills and then now that they're really branching out and trying new things in a way that seems to uh you know as some reviews I saw said seem free and fun for them is really exciting and it's just crazy that we have uh this person like you said if I were if I were in my teens or 20s I probably would just like listen to the shit out of this album over and over and over again Oh yeah, have it inscribed in my heart forever. Uh,
1: I'm, yeah, that's why they are, they, they are touring next year. They're touring in the U.S. too, and a little bit, and I'm like, I'm finding a way to see them. I think I might have to go to yes. Philly or something like that, but I'm definitely, I need to see them now. Um, yes. Um, yeah, we have to do I, it. They're
2: now number one on my list of bands I haven't seen live.
1: Yeah, and I, I saw them once, and it just wasn't, you could just tell it wasn't, like, the right show to see them. They were... Mm. just a little like out of it. I play the Portland weed. Um, Yeah. I would say that I, I agree with you about the different styles of songs on here. That one, uh, little things and, uh, -hmm. um, there's the second song time escaping. Yes. There's a couple others that are like these shambolic rockers that are just really, uh, they're all, you know, they all are mutations of their, their core folk sound but in a way mm-hmm. that just several generations down the line um that, yeah that is it's so cool to listen to especially as you know the band i mean um yeah. uh and there's I, I was listening to this song uh flower of blood it has this mm-hmm. like 90s space grunge feel yeah uh, trip hop is the yeah. phrase that came to mind yeah and and then like a, there's in that song and in a couple others there they they definitely are doing some modest mouse things with the lyrics and the um the way that the clean but weird guitar tones yes Um,
2: there's some of that in simulation swarm too for sure
1: yeah yeah um uh and yeah they just they they nail all those things they nail trip-hop um Mm-hmm. and they and they continue to nail the beautiful folk ballads that are
0: you know, Yes, also in here.
2: liberally interspersed, yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh including the first track which is great. Yeah. Um yeah. No, uh and and the title track also um mm-hmm. very uh I don't know. God, I could go on about uh, a dozen plus songs here. It's um Really, quite an album, uh, a classic overstuffed double yeah. album in the best way.
1: Yes, and the super. Uh, I I just listened to the last song, probably the first time day, "Blue Lightning," mm-hmm. and it's just super fun. Yeah. God, there no. was another song near the end. It was either "Love, Love, Love" or no, "The Only Place." That yes. song was fucking good too. It's so
2: good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, this uh, this band is is stupid. Um, yeah. Just ban them. Uh, too yeah. good. Yeah. Too good goaded sorry they're (laughs) goaded um okay well i think uh when we have nothing but unqualified praise for something it uh we run out of things to say after a minute so everybody go listen to this that's really all there is to say about it
1: it's great um yeah pick it up listen to it um and uh and then tell your friends about this podcast
0: (laughs) yeah get us ahead of these
2: fucking music or movie people um this how are you going to pick Savage Beast for a movie podcast? Nobody says film sues the savage
1: breast. Um. It must be like a <laughs> reference to a like a particular cult movie.
2: Uh, maybe that could make sense. That could make sense.
1: Maybe they explain it in their first episode, which I will never fucking listen to. <laughs> no, <laughs> these
2: fucking bastards. Ah, uh, let's. Uh, Let's, uh, let's sign off then, Joe. Are we done?
1: Uh, I'm done, yes. All right.
2: Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Check us out on our socials. Like we said, follow us to get us ahead of those people, and please listen to some more. Um, big Thief. Thank you.
0: Bye. Good night. <laughs>